This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, November 29th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, Telluride swears in new mayor and town council. Town council moves forward with Shandoka F-Building remodel, a Telski update, and a mountain weather forecast. The town of Telluride has a new mayor. Teddy Erico was sworn in at a town council meeting on Tuesday. If you could please raise your right hand and repeat after me. I, and state your name. I, Teddy Erico. Do swear or affirm. Do swear or affirm. That I will support the Constitution of the United States. That I will support the Constitution of the United States. The Constitution of the State of Colorado. The Constitution of the State of Colorado. The laws of the state of Colorado. The laws of the state of Colorado. And the Home Rule Charter. And the Home Rule Charter. And ordinances. And ordinances. Of the town of Telluride, Colorado. Of the town of Telluride, Colorado. And will faithfully perform the duties. And will faithfully perform the duties. Of the office of Telluride Mayor. The office of Telluride Mayor. Upon which I'm about to enter. Upon which I'm about to enter. To the best of my ability. To the best of my ability. Telluride Town Clerk Tiffany Cavanaugh also swore in new council members Ashley Story von Sprecken. I, Ashley Story von Sprecken. And Ellen Eleven. I, Ellen Eleven. Along with town meeting moderator Daniel Zemke. I, Daniel Zemke. You swear I am firm. With that, Erico called to order his first town council meeting as mayor. It is 10.06 a.m. We're going to start a little early and call the Telluride town council meeting on Tuesday, November 28th, here at Rebecca Hall, um, to order. The first order of business was adopting Robert's Rules of Order and selecting a mayor pro tem. While the mayor doesn't typically make motions, Erico stepped forward to nominate me and Fee. Unless anybody has uh, anything further to say, I'd like to get right to a nomination. And I would, although I don't try to make them very often, um, I would like to nominate um, me and Fee as mayor pro tem. I second. Fee was unanimously selected to fill the position of mayor pro tem. So after six months without a mayor and a nail-biting election, Telluride's governing council is complete. Teddy Erico serving as mayor with Ellen Eleven, Jesse Ray Arguez, Geneva Shawnette, Mian Fee, Ashley Story Von Sprecken, and Dan Enright sitting as town council. The town of Telluride is moving forward with a remodel on a portion of the Shandoka F building. So Shandoka building F, the THA owned 23 unit apartment complex that was built in 1993. Phase one, as we're calling it, comprises the nine unit North building. That's James Van Hooser, community housing manager at the town of Telluride, speaking at a town council meeting on Tuesday. THA is the Telluride Housing Authority. According to Van Hooser, the Telluride Housing Authority subcommittee considered three options for upgrading the building. A full demolition and stick rebuild, a full demolition and modular rebuild, or a renovation and addition to the building. After a study, the subcommittee decided to move forward with the remodel option. Uh, The team discovered that the existing building is structurally sound. Uh, with most of the existing maintenance problems related to plumbing issues. Another benefit of doing the remodel approach is it allows for a phased approach to redeveloping the project, which minimizes the impact of displacement on existing Building F residents. Any of the other approaches would have required complete vacation of all 23 units at the same time. 
which was proving challenging um, from a displacement angle and rehoming of those existing folks. Van Hooser says a remodel is also the most cost-effective approach. Under the proposed remodel, Van Hooser says construction will aim to keep as much of the existing building and structure intact as possible. It will add three new studio apartments to the building and upgrade the current apartments. All new interior finishes and and appliances, flooring, doors, basin case, cabinets, countertops. It's a 30-year-old building, you know, just a, a total refresh, we're calling it new bathrooms, new new kitchens, new flooring, that type of thing. In total, Van Hooser says the maximum cost for the construction will be approximately $3.6 million, with a roughly $758,000 subsidy from the Affordable Housing Fund. The remainder of the cost would be paid back over time by things like rent. To that point, Van Hooser says the project will remain a rental building, but the subcommittee is recommending increasing the rental rates to an average 120 AMI, or area median income. Actual rental rates will be set once the remodel is closer to completion. But the rental rates and cost of construction is the point of contention for town council. Council member Dan Enright doesn't believe the project and the cost is worth the need. Building more affordable housing is my number one issue. It's the thing I care most about. But there has to be a line somewhere. It can't just be affordable housing at any price. In my mind, this true low AMI target building If we lose this asset, we'll never be able to get it back. As James highlighted, there's there's some issues, the plumbing in particular, but you you tackled the issue. We I think we got some initial early warning signs that were again enough reason to look into it. And then we've sort of continued down that path without really assessing are we serviced. The, serving the greatest and highest good with this. I don't think we are. Councilmember Mian Fee says she hears Enright's point and initially agreed with it. But she says with the extent of work needed on the building, a larger remodel also helps level out the rental base in Telluride. I believe that by creating a nicer product than what currently exists and charging more for it, but maybe not as much as other projects, We are starting to create a tiered system where the people that come here when they're 20 years old can start to move through a housing market that right now is completely stagnated. You are in a unit no matter what, doesn't matter if you get married, doesn't matter if you get divorced, doesn't matter anything that's going on in your life. You have children. You can only stay in your Shandoka unit because there's nowhere else for you to go. Fee adds based on staff work, they've heard a large percentage of Shandoka residents make more than technically allowed for their unit. I don't love the idea of a family living in Shandoka making $300,000 and still paying that rent. That feels fundamentally unfair, but I don't want to kick them out because I don't know that they have someplace else to go. She, along with other council members, argue that if higher-earning Shandoka residents are able to move into nicer remodeled apartments, that will free up more space for individuals who truly qualify for a lower rental rate. Mayor Teddy Errico. Wouldn't you be pissed if you you were on the lower end of the spectrum and you couldn't rent a place because someone who was making twice that the money they deserve to make 
was in the place that's slotted for you. Okay. You have to look at it that way, too. In the end, Town Council approved the funding for the remodel of the Shandoka F building phase one, six to one, with council member Dan Enright the lone opposing vote. The town of Telluride aims to begin construction on the remodel in December, with completion in the fall of 2024. The Telluride Ski Resort is set and ready to provide wall-to-wall coverage on opening day. We're thrilled that we're going to get open December 2nd, as this could have gone a lot further, and the weather has really cooperated with us. That's Chad Horning with the Telluride Ski Resort. For the third year in the row, the resort is opening later than the scheduled Thanksgiving day. I don't know why we debate it every year, but internally we debate, you know, can we... Can we skimp on the runs? Can we make the runs a little bit skinnier? Can we open a little bit sooner? And we just, we never do it. We always do wall-to-wall coverage. We always do it right. And uh, we always wonder why we even waste the time debating it because we want to do it right. We want to open and be a first-class opening. And so that's what we're going to do. Horning gave an update before Telluride Town Council on Tuesday. Chair 4 and the Chondola will open on Saturday. We'll have... uh, Uh, coverage all the way through down through the meadows. We'll be able to get coverage from the gondola parking lot so people can park there and ski down as well. The ski school will be open. The magic carpets will be open. Um, We'll be be up and running. Uh, Hopefully we'll get Boomerang open as well. That's a a question mark. But Horning says chairs five and six could open before too long. We've got about, I think, 16 inches of snow forecasted. I'm hoping that this is the first forecast that actually comes true. Um, If that happens, we're going to be really quickly opening up um, five and six. Uh, That'll be great to get that loop opened up so we can really run the mountain. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, things were looking, you know, fairly grim because of the weather conditions, but they're really looking strong today. So we're, uh, we're, we're excited about getting open and having a great product for, for visitors and for the community. After four, five and six, Horning says getting the front side of the mountain is the priority. He says Telski hopes to have it open by December 18th. That is entirely going to be dependent on weather and snow. Um, you know, we have to helicopter over snow guns for getting, you know, the getting exits out of chair nine, things like that, which we'll be doing as soon as we get four, five, and six open. Um, but that's kind of the situation we're in every year and the situation we're dealing with. When it comes to amenities on the mountain, Garano's will be open this weekend, but Giuseppe's will remain shuttered for the winter. I am sorry to say that Giuseppe's will not be open this winter um, at all. And um, uh, we're... we're we're behind in getting that completed. So that'll be finished up um, this, this coming summer and open for the following winter. Slightly off the mountain, Telski and the town of Telluride have signed a non-binding agreement for collaboration in developing the area at the base of Chair 7 and the Carhenge parking lot. We've kind of um, been in a holding pattern kind of for new council to come aboard and for us to take some next steps. And so I think those next steps are for us to make sure that... Um, that um, everybody's aligned with the new council and what we're going to be doing with that. And then to get in front of the stakeholders right there at the base, you know, the, the people at the, that are going to be most impacted by that and get in front of them and get their ideas and get get um, what they would like to see or if they'd like to see anything based on what the plan the comprehensive plan is. Telluride Town Manager Scott Robson says he's also eager for the conversations to get going. Now that we've got a, a new council and, and mayor in place, 
um, we would love to take the next steps with uh, with TSG. Robson says he hopes for community discussions surrounding Carhenge and Chair 7 to begin in early 2024. The Telluride Ski Resort is scheduled to open for the winter with a first chair at 9 a.m. on Saturday, December 2nd. The towns of Telluride and Mountain Village will be hosting state-approved responsible vendor alcohol trainings next week. The town of Telluride requires all liquor license holders and premise managers to attend a training every two years. The trainings aim to help participants understand Colorado laws and rules when it comes to alcohol in clear and simple terms. Telluride will hold a training on Monday, December 4th from 11.30 a.m. to 3.30 p.m. at Rebecca Hall. To register, email mmolen at telluride-co.gov. Mountain Village will hold a training on Tuesday, December 5th from 9 a.m. to noon. Registration is required by December 1st and available at townofmountainvillage.com. An officer with the Cortez Police Department was shot and killed in the line of duty on Wednesday. Chris Clements of KSJD has more. Sergeant Michael Moran conducted a traffic stop on South Broadway around 11.30 a.m., during which he was shot and injured. The suspects fled in their vehicle but were quickly located. One suspect was shot by police and died at the scene. The other was taken into custody. Moran was taken to Southwest Memorial Hospital and later died from his injuries. A press release from the city says Moran was a Marine who did two tours of Iraq before joining the police department. Around 4 p.m., a police escort started to make its way to Ertel Funeral Home. For KSJD, I'm Chris Clements. On Tuesday, Governor Jared Polis signed several bills passed during last week's special session, including two that expand government support for low-income Coloradans. One adds $30 million to the state's emergency rental assistance program for eligible households. Another bill opts Colorado into a new federal program that provides food for kids during summer months. Families have to sign up for the program by January 1st to be eligible for benefits. Polis also signed a bill that launches a task force to come up with long-term solutions to rising property taxes. A state park outside of Lander has become Wyoming's first-ever international dark sky park. Wyoming Public Radio's Hannah Heiberman has more. A dazzling night sky filled with stars has long been a source of wonder. And after a three-year application process, Sinks Canyon State Park near Lander received recognition for its work to protect this often overlooked resource. Jessica Moore is the park's superintendent. She says Sinks Canyon certainly isn't the darkest sky in the state, but they're excited to use their new role to raise awareness. What this can do is really start to spread the word about why we need to keep the skies dark and the importance for the wildlife and for the people who live here and recreate here. To maintain their dark sky park designation, the park will put on outreach events every year. They'll also regularly take measurements of the area's light quality during the new moons. Moore says the park is already collaborating with officials in Lander to help reduce the town's light emissions. For Wyoming Public Radio, I'm Hannah Haberman. November is Native American Heritage Month. In honor of that, events took place in communities across the region. The Ute Mountain Ute Museum in Montrose held a series of events throughout the month to raise awareness about the history of the Ute people in this region. 
The museum sits at the heart of traditional Ute territory. It was originally built in 1956 and is listed on the National Register of Historic Places. For Rocky Mountain Community Radio, KVNF's Cassie Knust spoke with C.J. Brafford, the museum's director and carekeeper. The Nooch is what the Ute people call themselves, meaning the people, the Nooch people. And their, their history, they've always been here. They have a creation story. You know, they are the people from the Shiny Mountains. And how does the museum aim to honor and celebrate the heritage and contributions of the Ute? We respect and honor our voices, again, of who we are and where we come from. We share the past, the present, and the future of the Nooch people. Native American Heritage Month, we celebrate in our own ways. And, you know, it was something that was passed. It actually goes back to like 1621 when, when there was a first recognizing Native people. But it wasn't really until moving forward until like here in 1990s when um, President Bush, the senior, passed a resolution making Native American Heritage Month. So with that, it gives us as Native people, myself as a Lakota, it is our voice that you're going to start hearing, our voices that are changing what history books wrote, our voices to share what accomplishments, what we have done. We have people who are astronauts, and we have doctors, we have actors, we have singers. We are a part of the story because, as I mentioned earlier, Alden Ronald said that you know, we were invisible. But we're not invisible because when you know them, mostly when our old people, when they talk to us, when you know who you are and where you come from, and that's where we know who we are. So now we're celebrating our stories, our achievements. We honor ourselves. So Native American Month to all of us. You know, like We just had like, wear your mocks, wear your moccasins day. We're proud as Indian people, Native people, Indigenous people, sharing our stories. And if someone were to walk into the museum right now, what would they learn about? In the museum by Regina Lopez Whiteskunk, she shared that our history is written on the landscape. And that says a lot. The seasons, the directions, the Nooch people, their footprints were on this landscape. They lived upon this landscape, their stories, their traditions. So you will learn much about from very today, contemporary. We worked, uh, we had a, a STEM grant that we received for five years. So we worked with all three youth tribes and we worked with the elders and the youth. And we went all over Colorado to different sites of the youth people. And the elders would share stories from about plants. They would share about wikiups. Uh, just so we have stories in the museum that we, we videoed. And so you come and listen to those stories. We went out to youth rock art sites. Um, there's history, uh, yes, of the past. There's history on the, the bear dance, where the bear dance is something that the youths hold very true. Every year they have in springtime uh, bear dance. So there is much to learn about who the people are. And again, what we're showcasing here at the museum is that the youths are still here. Are there any projects in the works that we should know about? Well, we are looking at to doing an archaeological dig site. We, in previous years, we had what we call like a little sandbox. But this one is going to incorporate just um, right down from the museum. We are on the lands of uh, Chief Uranjapita that resided here. And, of course, Japita is buried here. 
But back in the 70s, there was an archaeological dig, and they found the actual foundation of Uray and Chapita's home site. So we want to incorporate from that dig the home site through the archaeological dig, preserve it in that way so we can talk about uh, the Utes and Urangipeta and how when they moved down here to this, because here at the museum it's called the Los Pinos Agency 2. They were up at Los Pinos Agency 1, which was just outside Gunnison. But we want to be able to share that storyline, how they got down here, which, which we know now is Montrose today. But then we also want to be able to set it up to where when school groups come in, that we share with them how when one goes out to an archaeological site, when they are going to a site that was at one time of Ute people or, and how they go about the process. So that is a project that we're working on. We're continuing working on across the street. We have our, our Native American Ethnobotany Garden. So we're continuing adding more plants. What we did add this past summer was the bee balm. The bee balm is a plant that is used for medicinal use. Um, you know, the uses for um, the Ute people. We have one of our spiritual elders from the Ute Mountain Ute tribe, Terry Knight. So he comes down in the summertime, every summer, and toward the end of the summer, and always picking the bee balm. So we're working on that project as well, too. And the latest one we just are good, we were just talking about is our working with the library. We're going to be working on a, a book walk, a story walk is what it's called, a story walk out at our Naturescape play area where we'll have stories encased and kids can read a story that would be about the youth people, animals, uh, climate change, anything that ties into our environment and the youth people. So those are some projects right now. That was C.J. Brafford, the director and carekeeper at the Ute Indian Museum in Montrose. For KVNF, I'm Cassie Knust. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 20 degrees. Thursday, there's a 60% chance of snow showers with mostly cloudy skies and a high in the mid-30s. Thursday night, expect snow showers with a low around 20 degrees. Two to four inches of snow accumulation is possible. Friday calls for snow showers in the day and snow showers at night. The high is near 30 degrees with a low around 10. This has been the news for Wednesday, November 29th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206. And now, personal commentaries. Hi, I'm Katie with Bright Futures. Did you know that in the first few years of a child's life, over 1 million new neural connections are made every second? If you want to play a role in supporting young children and their social-emotional development, here is your chance. Become an early childhood teacher in training. Our early childhood teachers are so important to our community. This new AmeriCorps position will place you in a child care center in Telluride, Montrose, Delta, or Gunnison to serve for one year while receiving individualized coaching and college-level classes to gain skills and become a certified teacher. You will receive a living stipend and an education award to pay for school. This might be for you if you are graduating high school this year, if you are trying to get back into the workforce and gain professional development experience, or if you're recently retired and looking for a way to give back to the community. Please contact Katie Swick at AmeriCorps at BrightFuturesForChildren.org. That's AmeriCorps spelled A-M-E-R-I. 
C-O-R-P-S, or visit brightfuturesforchildren.org to learn more. It's Winter Sing Concert Time. Mark your calendars for Friday, December 8th and Sunday, December 10th. The theme is Finding the Road Home. Artistic Director Hal Adler has given us a gorgeous program that includes an audience sing-along of Handel's Hallelujah Chorus with instrumentalists. Between that and our Christmas Carol sing-along section, we're thrilled that together with you, we get to create such beautiful music. Our program also includes works by Gabrielle Foire, John Gardner, Jose Feliciano, and given our kids' choir is singing a really fun arrangement of Twas the Night Before Christmas, this is a concert you will not want to miss. Susan Ensor and Colby Morrison will be accompanying on piano. Again, the concerts are Friday, December 8th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 10th at 4 p.m., both at Christ Church and Tickets at the Door. We're excited that our Sunday, December 10th concert will be broadcast live by Kodo. What an amazing opportunity to be able to share our joyous sound for all the world to hear. Just go to kodo.org at that 4 p.m. time and click listen. So come join your friends, neighbors, in your community for our Winter Sing 2023. For more details, check out Susan V. Brock's Telluride Inside and Out. This is Ginny Fraser, and thank you, Kodo. Opinions broadcast over KOTO are those of the speakers. You're also invited to express your views after the news or on access each weekday at around 4 p.m. If you would like to comment, please contact a staff person here at Kodo. We encourage you to speak out on important public issues.